Hi, and welcome to The Commons at HBC, a podcast and virtual space for community, conversation, and connection brought to you by the Young Adult Ministry of Highland Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky. I am your host, David Bannister, longtime member who's volunteered all over the church. If this is your first time listening, welcome. The concept is simple. We will meet with our guest, hear what's going on at the church, and discuss this past week's sermon. So let's get started. Welcome back to the Commons at HBC. I'm your host, David, and with me today is a very special guest, Tori Parker. Welcome, Tori. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So Tori was on the show sometime 10 years ago, um, <laughs> back in last Lent, I believe. Yeah. Um, and today's special for us because today we are, this is like the technical one year anniversary. So this is the first weekend in Lent. Um, and last year we started this thing in Lent um, back before everything went crazy with COVID. So thanks so much for joining uh, me again, Tori. I'm excited to be here and I'm excited that it's been a year of great HBC content. You know, when I, when I could do it and and that's a good point is, you know, y'all I've kind of fallen into, I think I'm only going to do the podcast during special seasons. So yeah, we have it. I'm back for Lent and then I'll take a break and I'll come back for Advent but I think that's a good rhythm. Like I, I, a season of waiting, you want to reflect on that. Those are good. You know? Yeah. Especially since we're in our second season of waiting through a global pandemic. So (sighs) yeah, yeah, Yeah. it is what it is. Well, anyway, you know how the show works. We're going to just chat a little bit and then we'll get into this week's sermon. So um, how have you been? What's been going on? I have been all things considered pretty fine um everyone in my family is healthy right now knock on wood obviously um my grandmother is night in her 90s and she has been vaccinated which blessing um but my family actually lives in west virginia which is like the number one state in the country for vaccine distribution and West Virginia in my lifetime has never been number one in a good thing ever. So this is thrilling for me. Um, I'm telling everyone I know (laughs) to celebrate this win for West Virginia. Um, But yeah, I, you know, I've very luckily stayed employed this whole time. I've been able to work from home. Um, One of my best friends is living with me right now. She's doing school. um, So I haven't been alone. And yeah, I've, you know, deepened relationships with people virtually and people who live in town. I've gotten to know my neighborhood a lot better. So, you know, it sucks, but like, I think after a year, you kind of stop reflecting on all the things that suck. So all Mm. all together, I'm pretty okay. (laughs) Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, uh, what, what was the, y'all, I'm, I'm deep into TikTok since, since I've had this tick. So like, uh, you know, I think I saw someone do a video the, the other day. It's like, or, you know, that it's like, I feel depressed, but like, I'm okay. And you don't have to worry about me. Like every, like everything sucks, but I'm okay. Like, yeah. It's like in general, I would not prefer this, but like, I don't, don't worry about me. You know, I'm like, 
<laughs> exactly, exactly. And that's that's how it kind of feels for us. Like we've had a lot of, Stephen and I, and I have had a lot of family stuff um, over the last few months. And mm-hmm. that's just, you know, Stephen's uncle passed away at New Year's from COVID. We lost his grandpa last year during COVID, not from COVID, but just age in that time and now my and so and then earlier just last this past month my niece um she had they found a tumor on her liver and so they had to remove or not her liver her one of her kidneys Mm -hmm. and they removed the whole kidney she's only 18 months old or yeah I think that's about right and so she's now a toddler going through chemo so but like that's the thing is like, uh, it sucks, but it's, it's not, it's not really directly impacting me. And it's just Mm -hmm. lots of stuff around me though. Yeah. It's a lot of, it's a lot of collective grief, I think has been the thing that's the hardest is like you, everyone knows someone who, even if it's not from COVID has like lost someone this year or like has lost a job or has lost, you know, Mm -hmm. house or something. And it's just like, oh, how do you mourn all of this at once? And that's the exhausting thing is like, I feel like we're not, we're just like grindstone carry on until this is done kind of mentality. And that's, that's a little overwhelming. It's just like, oh, how long are we going to be dealing with this? Yes. And it's like, uh, yeah, absolutely. And it, 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 uh, I'll tell you, like, I don't know if you've been through any funerals through COVID. I've been through two now and they were depressing enough but now it's even worse (laughs) yeah you can't hold anyone and that just is such a pivotal part of a funeral and you don't Mm -hmm. yeah you don't realize it until you can't like hold them yeah you you go there for connection Mm -hmm. and you can't even get that right in a fulfilling way yeah so oh yeah uh, it was was the worst thing yeah well so my net you know how have you been now? Now, how have you been coping? Right. Well, actually, so I, this past summer, I submitted a play, a short play that I wrote to a theater festival, Women's Theater Festival of North Carolina. And uh, it was accepted, which is very thrilling. They did them all virtually. Yes. This play is called Twilight Sleep. And it's actually a play I wrote in college and then just like kind of revisited every once in a while. And, um, to my horror, found out that I was in charge of like producing the whole thing. <laughs> and that we were gonna like, we were gonna perform it in the like three times in the festival. And they were like, okay, yeah, you just need a director, actors, you know, you just have to kind of make it happen. And I was like, uh, <laughs> I kind of thought you guys are gonna do that. So <laughs> I connected. Like, to- I, I know you have a background in theater, like. Yeah, so luckily. <laughs> I called up a friend from college who I had not spoken to in a couple of years named Olivia. Um, her name's Olivia Kernigan. And um, I was just like, she was, you know, I don't know if you've ever done theater, but she was a, a stage manager through and through. Like she's acted and done every directed, but she's like, she's, a, she's the mom friend. She makes it happen. Like she's a gal with a plan. And so I just called her and I was like, I need your help. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to put this together. And I don't know how to lead rehearsals. And I, then I framed it more like, I would be so honored if you would direct this for me. And she could tell underneath it was just like, help me, I'm scared. 
And so she said, yes, thank God. And it was all over Zoom, obviously, so we could ask anyone we wanted. So I asked my friend, now roommate Emily, who was in the original production when I was in school, and my friend Brennan, who was in the same production at school, and then two other friends that I did theater with at Center. So it was just this group of Center alums, Center Drama Center, like theater alums. And we spent like a month and a half, like in Zoom rehearsals, making this play happen performed it live a couple times. Um, and it was just like the most fun. And so once that was done, Olivia and I were like, gosh, it would be so fun if we could just like do this all the time because we just missed making theater with our friends at school and like, you know, center tiny liberal arts college. No one I went to school with really is doing theater professionally. Like they're off getting other jobs because it was just something they did to be creatively kind of fulfilled and so we asked around and other people were like yeah I would love to like do that I would be really into it so we started this little theater company um called don't care still good theater which is an all online theater for center alums and we've had a showcase and two major productions we're working on a zoom musical right now oh my gosh yeah. that's amazing yeah so it's been really fun and I've just connected with a lot of people who like we're good artists and artists I really thought were interesting and good to work with when I was at school and who have just gotten better and have just like really loved it because you know they haven't gotten to do it in so long so that's been super fulfilling well congrats that's amazing thank you thank you yeah I'm very proud but yeah. you can all check it out at dcsd theater with an re.org all right dcs theater G dcsg dcsg theater.org all right <laughs> i'm gonna write that down dcsg you can watch all of our productions they're all on youtube that's amazing so what have you been uh what are you what's something you're looking forward to two of my best friends are getting married to each other in may um and they're one of those couples that got together. They were always going to get together. They were like, a, they're destined to be together. And then they finally got together. And they're just, they're too, they're just great. And I'm just so happy for them. And, you know, COVID wedding, <laughs> who is not the, not the ideal for anyone, but it's the kind of thing. It's like when you're, they're both um, on PhD tracks. So it's like, you got to go where the job is. And if you're married, you, you can go to the same place and mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. So yeah, Murray, Kentucky, end of May. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's amazing. That's a great to hear. Did they postpone it originally because of COVID? And this is just. No, they, they, it's not a big way. There's going to be like 20 people there, but um, so they basically just decided in September, they were like, we're going to get married in the summer. And then officially got engaged in December. Yeah, around December. And then are getting married in May. So they're just like, yeah, we're just gonna, just gonna do it. So it's all very kind of slapdash together, but because there's not gonna be a lot of people there or a big to do, it really can just be. It'll be unforgettable though. Yeah, it'll be great. Awesome. Well, I'm so excited to discuss the sermon with you today. Um, so y'all, we're going to take a short break and we'll have a little musical interlude. I'll put in some music from the service 
and we will see you in a couple of minutes. Welcome back to the Commons at HBC. Uh, so we're here to talk about the sermon today. So I will get it set up. So we are in our first weekend of Lent 2021. Um, Mary, uh, Reverend Mary Alice Birdwhistle was our proclaimer. The gospel today is Mark 1, 9 through 15, talking about Jesus being baptized, um, voice from heaven sends him into the wilderness and he is in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights before john the baptist is arrested and he is brought out right to come proclaim the good news uh and the title of tonight today's sermon of yesterday's sermon is wilderness faith so tori mm -hmm. take it away all right, so Mary Alice starts her sermon with an anecdote about a reality TV show called Alone. Um, and we were just talking about how we both enjoy reality TV to an extent. Um, and Alone is about people who are kind of, you know, people who sign up to do this, people who are wilderness experts, theoretically, who are dropped in the wilderness to kind of see, prove who can stay out there the longest. Um, clarify they're fully clothed they're not naked but they may be afraid um I, unlike that they, one show unlike that one show where the, famously they are naked and afraid <laughs> um but she she told the story about a man who won the show which is just he he was like 
he, he both had good wilderness skills, but he was just kind of in the mindset of understanding what he could and couldn't win against in the wilderness, kind of. He knew how to protect himself and he wasn't afraid because he was prepared and he was prepared for like the mental kind of toll that it would have on him. And I think that's always the hardest part is understanding, holding on to your own self in the midst of a wilderness. Like that has always been my understanding in a hard time. The hardest thing is not, this is going everything. Like the hardest part is not (laughs) becoming someone I don't like. That is where I personally struggle in like wilderness situations. Do you kind of understand what I'm trying to say? (laughs) Yeah. So like the idea to just talk about the show for a second of Mm -hmm. me going into the wilderness, I want to put it out there for y'all. Don't ever invite me camping first Mm -hmm. off. No. Uh, No. Um, And if we are going on some kind of trip, there has to be running hot water (laughs) and probably a bed. I could handle a tent if it's not 95 degrees. Mm -hmm. I'm just, but, but I'm just letting you know, my friends know I don't camp. If you take me on a hike, I'm going to complain and whine. Like (laughs) there, I have my limits. And so we talk about this alone show. There's no way I would ever do that. To put this in in perspective of the reality show I do like, which is a whole different kind of wilderness, it's called Big Brother. And I know it's not- (laughs) The wilderness of society. Societal relationships. Yes, it's the drama between people. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing because even though they're surrounded by people, they're still alone Mm. in their thoughts and their- their, they're isolated. They really yeah. are. I'd never watched Big Brother and someone was explaining it to me the other week. And I was like, oh, you don't have a phone. You don't have newspapers. No. Like, you are, you are yourself. You are company. That is it. Mm-hmm. And it's for like three months, two, two and a half months. And that alone, like, be, like I never thought, I th- always thought like, oh, I'd love to go on that show. But after living in COVID for the last <laughs> year, I realize I can't do it. I can't. Like, I love my husband. Mm -hmm. But it's been a long year. Been a long quarantine. (laughs) It's been a lot of togetherness. You know, we, there's some, there has been days where we barely talk to each other. And I don't mean that in like a mean, unhealthy way. Like, Mm -hmm. we just don't have anything to say at this point. Yeah. It's like, what's new with you? Absolutely nothing. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That joke. Nothing. (laughs) There was always this thing that I would ask, but in the before times that we call it, where it was like, you know, Sunday night, what does your week look like? Mm -hmm. Well, after the fourth month of me making that joke on Sunday night, because it was a habit, like we've just stopped. Yep. It stopped being funny. It turned the corner to sad. (laughs) To to bad and sad. Yep. Yep. I I am also, I at most glamp. Um, I was a, I was a camp counselor for a couple of years. Um, And it's a bougie camp in that it's like, have you ever seen the parent trap, the Lindsay Lohan Mm -hmm. version? It is that camp. Mm, Um, So it's like you sleep in a cabin, but there's no like air conditioning or electricity in the cabin. It's just walls. And like you eat food, but it's not like, you know, luxurious, it's bread and cheese. But 
you know, they had options of like going on overnight camping trips or like sometimes on leave, other counselors would like go camping. And I was like, um, don't we camp all the time? Isn't that in an air conditioned room? I'm going to go take a shower in a shower where a 12 year old girl is not banging down the door for me to get out. Like I'm going to, I'm going to be away from this. Um, so yeah, I, no, never alone is, is a nightmare to me being alone in the woods. That's that's terrifying not just because of the woods but being yep. alone yeah and in today's days um, i'll get an airbnb or a hotel like sure, sure, sure no no we do if we do not have to sleep on a ground outside yeah without I had a bathroom a few friends in texas i have a bunch of friends in texas and they just had the hardest week of their lives i mean really pioneering it you know, building fires in their apartment fireplaces and keeping their food on the porch and keeping water in their bathtubs. And you know. in a week, Texas turned into like a third world country. It was yeah, exactly. ridiculous. And they're still dealing with it, right? Yeah. I mean, some people still, I mean, people flooded, of course, pipes broke, everything. Someone asked, you know, one of my friend's friends in Texas, they were like, why don't we have salt? And it's like, who would buy salt in Texas like who would buy salt for the roads it, it would feel like a foolish purchase you wouldn't have needed it mm-hmm. but it's just you know yeah it was just such a disaster and it makes me think like what kind of man what kind of grace would I have maintained living for a week like that and I I'm very impressed with my friends who didn't, who remained friends with each other yeah. while they were going through it. Well, for those watching, you know, we had, we, I saw a post from one of our recent members, um, Michael DeWatley and yes. his wife, right? They, yeah, they just they moved were, to Texas yeah. and they're, they're living through this in Austin. So yeah. I can't, I can't. They, I mean, and they didn't, their, their water never, Mm-hmm. you know flooded like their house never flooded or anything but yeah they were without power for days just living off of candles and I mean it got my friend's apartment it got 17 degrees got oh down to God. 17 degrees and they were sleeping in that like that's how people die you know and that's yeah. how people are dying in in Texas it's really just mm. horrific so. yep there's not been a day I haven't thought about the people in Texas I don't even have any connections there really and I just it's just so heavy. Yeah. Um, to tie it back, though, to take us back to the the sermon. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Mary Alice gives us some examples of being in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. You know, she gives the obvious one, which is which we've kind of talked about COVID-19, weariness, loneliness and exhaustion, uh, racial reckoning that's been happening yeah. for Mm-hmm. a long long time now but you know it's ramped up um recovery going through recovery and you know a special call out to parents and you know yeah. having to survive being everything to your child right now in the last year as, yeah. and as we all know that's really hard to do for anybody you you can't be everything to everybody Right. And like, I don't know, reckoning with like developing minds, you know, like reckoning with the fact that like, you know, I'm just kind of reckoned with the fact that like, oh, this is going to mess me up. (laughs) This year is going to mess me up. It's going to mess us all up. Like, 
I don't know if you've had COVID dreams where you're like at a concert and then you realize like, oh my God, none of us are wearing masks. Like we're going to get COVID. I've had a couple of those and I think I'll get them, you know, 30 years from now. But dealing with the fact that like, like my boss has a five-year-old and like he's missing out on learning how to read, you know, he's missing out on learning how to socialize. He's missing out on, you know, it's just like, parents don't have to learn how to teach their kids how to do literally everything you need to get through school. Teachers do that. And now he's expected to know everything this kid is supposed to be learning at every year when those years are so vital. Yeah, I just, parents are amazing. And I'm, I can't wait for kids to go back to school. I know it's such a burden on Yeah. So um, I guess the natural question here is, is have you ever had what, not have you ever had, we've all had a wilderness moment, at yeah. least one in our life. Is yeah. there one that you would like to talk about? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've had a very privileged life and I'm, I'm fairly young. So, you know, I don't have some great greek tragedy or anything like that but i think it's a problem a lot of people have now which is like i like i was talking about earlier i went to a very small liberal arts school i didn't have this like career path designated for myself i've had very parents who are always very graceful about like do do what you you know follow your dreams do what you want to do you know do what you're feeling called to or whatever the heck And so I left college kind of without a plan. And I had this just year of my life where I didn't know what I was doing to the point that, and I was so stagnant that I was just the most depressed I've ever been. Like I was clinically like paralyzed by like the plethora of things I could do. I think ultimately was like what was holding me. It was like, oh, you have to make a choice now. Like now you have to choose a path. Decision paralysis is what I call it. Yes, exactly. And so it was like, okay, well study for the GRE because you should go to grad school or, oh, study the LSAT because you should go to law school or, oh, well, maybe you want to be an actor (laughs) or maybe you want to, you know, move to a city or whatever. Like there was just like, whatever you do, once you decide, like that's going to be the thing you do forever. Forever. Forever, which is like, only against the millennial idea of what a career is like no millennial does the one thing forever um it's not Mad Men era anymore but (laughs) I I was just I I was so sad like I missed I missed that period of choice being far away like I missed the the place where opportunity and and choice was like an exciting thing and I was trapped in the like need to make a decision now moment for a year. And it and I watched, you know, I either had friends who were still in school who I was jealous because they were getting to do school, which I missed. Not really the school part of it, but like the being together community at school. Or I had friends who were like moving on, getting jobs or in grad school and they had like a plan. And I was like, oh, I am a failure. And like, I wasn't, I was working retail. And in the end, most valuable job I've ever had by far by far so glad I did it and like learned a lot humbled myself got whole new skills learned a lot about people learned how to be a boss like 
learn a lot of bad things about people. You learn a lot about, you learn the best and worst about people in retail, baby. I worked several, like I've worked many Christmases in retail now and it is, it is the dregs of humanity and it is like light all the time. Like it is so fun. If you're like me where you're just like, if I have an eight hour shift, I don't want to, I don't want to sit down. I want to. I did Target in college, so I know. Oh my God. Yeah. I can't even imagine. Yeah. And I, I was in a mall and it's like the energy, like, cause I'm, I'm extroverted and I don't think about the fact that I am, but like, I was buzzed after a shift uh, in like Christmas season, you know? And I think if I wasn't someone who wanted evenings and weekends free, I, I think if I was someone who didn't want a more concrete schedule and wanted to have the evenings, evenings and weekends free to do theater, frankly, very frankly, <laughs> and absorb theater and watch theater and all that stuff. I think I would have worked retail for the rest of my life. I love it. It is so, for someone who has ADHD tendencies, it was a really nice job to have. <laughs> yeah, Steven worked at uh, Aeropostale for a while. And I mean, he loved every minute of it. Like, yeah, yeah. you're just, you ha- you're doing stuff with your hands. You're talking to people, you're leading a team. Like you're just, it never stops. And for some people that's exhausting, but I loved it. And I, but it was at the same time, there's such a stigma around it, especially because I went to, you know, quote unquote, prestigious place, quote unquote, you know, and it was just like, mm, that was, I was wasting my education, whatever. And so, and that perception of how other people thought I was spending my time or other people had thought I had like wasted my potential. I mean, it, it got so in my head. And I think every wilderness season I have faced, every like season of real depression flare is not anything that I can control. It's my perception of other people's perception of me, which, yeah, you have no control over at all. So it should not be a thing that affects you, but of course it does. Yep. Well, my, my wilderness mm-hmm. experience was also college of course like mm-hmm. college is great for these experiences for us right and <laughs> and you know that's when we're figuring out who we are and what what we want in life or what we want to go after and for me it presented itself in a solitary way so my history with i've you know i've had a job since i was 16 and so you know if I was in school I only ever had a part-time job but when I got into college I had two part-time jobs and a full course load Mm. and so I didn't have a lot of time to deal with things going on in my life and I also was trying to live the college experience on top of this right Right. so teetering and juggling all these different parts of my life both of my part-time jobs were on campus. So it wasn't like I was doing much going, going very far, but um, it wasn't until I, um, I became an RA in my third year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was given my own room. Did the, mm-hmm. my kind of wilderness experience started and it pr- basically what had happened was I had not ever slowed down and yeah. I've never had my own personal space or time to just sit and mm-hmm. I was in this job 
where the expectation was, was that I couldn't go do anything. I was on duty. I had to stay. Mm -hmm. And that co-opted with an ongoing um, dealing with um, who I was um, in my sexuality Mm -hmm. um, came out in a really ugly way where I said, I have to deal with this because things are not healthy. Right. Um, and so eventually I started through this season. I was like, I gotta figure, I gotta figure out what is up with this, my faith thing. Like I became, so my background is when I became a Christian because I wanted Jesus to, you know, make me not gay. And Oof. I got to this point where it's like, well, I'm not I have this time, but all I can think about are these impure things and I need to figure out either something's not right. And so I ended up joining a community. I ended up started researching scripture and learning about the clobber passages and the background, even around the word homosexuality and how that's a, that even it being in the Bible is controversial that most people don't know. And that really prompt I mean it prompted me to deal with my stuff and Mm -hmm. after that first semester of living by myself as an RA leading me into my next year um I ended up coming out and that's it's a direct result of being alone Mm -hmm. living by myself and having to um, come to terms with those things. Yeah, that, yeah, that idea of the, the wilderness season being this formative, it, it, it does, and Mary Alice talked about this a lot, is the idea of the wilderness is that it kind of, it does have to burn you down. <laughs> you have to rise, you have to rise from the ashes, this idea that the, the wilderness is the push off the cliff, and then then you fly. And I, I, that absolutely, I mean, that year of my life, I've never been that low since. Like it, it taught me everything about like, about the things that trigger, you know, those episodes mm-hmm. and gave me the power to be like, oh, if I just, if I make different choices and if I ask for help when I need it, and if I don't put myself in situations that I know are going to be harmful to me, and if I don't make decisions based on what other people think about my life, then like, I won't you find myself it. in that place. There, again. you solved yeah. it. All of this. I solved it. I now I'll never be sad. <laughs> you know, if only we actually followed through with all that all the time. <laughs> exactly. But it, it gave me those tools to like, be able to call it what it was of like, or be able to notice when it was like, do I actually feel that way? Or do I think I should feel that way? Mm-hmm. You know, which is like what, you know, being alone, you know, being alone with your thoughts will do that too. It's like, is that actually my voice in my head or is that just what I've been told to think this whole time? And then when you, and, and, you know, the, and going through all this COVID stuff, you know, like I've been with Steven for 12 years, like Mm -hmm. we're about, we're in the range where it's going to be, you know, in the next 10 years, it's going to be to the point where we'll have known each other longer then we haven't known each other. Yeah. And that's a wild, that's a wild thing to think about, but it's, 
to me, it's really interesting. So like being able to know yourself in that way and also be able to have those conversations with those around you about it. So like, you know, the whole I'm depressed, but I'm okay thing. Like right. we both know we're both not okay, mm-hmm. but we're okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's that kind of like, I know you're not okay. So I can't burden you with this. <laughs> right. But like, I don't know. I, I, that, it feels like a very Gen Z attitude. The idea of like, I'm not okay, but don't worry about me. Right. <laughs> I don't, ugh, don't worry about me. Like, don't pay attention to me, yes. but I'm not okay. Like that's I know that's what TikTok's done to me. I'm, I'm way overexposed to Gen Z things at this point, And they just are, they, they are wild to me. I have no, my baby, no my baby sister's a Gen Z. My baby sister's a Gen Z. So oh, she's God. born in 97. So she's right at the edge too. She's like yes. older Gen Z. All right. She's a really, really angry, like, yes. yes, she's a very a angry millennial. Gen Z, right? Like it's yeah. the worst. <laughs> <laughs> she gets the worst of both ends. She just doesn't belong. Right. She she has all that millennial baggage and the Gen Z angst. So <laughs> great. Oh, she's she's doing fine though. Don't worry about her. She's right. Okay. No, I follow her on Twitter. You know, <laughs> I, I message her if I'm concerned. It's good. It works. Right. You know when they the tweets are really a call for help and when they're just really good content. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know when the when. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just. Say that. <laughs> So one of the points that Mary Alice makes that kind of alludes into what we were talking about and you you started to bring it up was, uh, you know, God will not abandon us even though we may feel alone, but he may also drive us into the wilderness for our own benefit, mm-hmm. which is back to Mark's, the, the gospel of Mark um, for today's sermon. And I got to like... And I hate, I hate it and I love it because <laughs> it's like, oh, why do you do this? But I also have to say, like, if I hadn't been forced to slow down in that way, right? I wouldn't even be here. Yeah. Like exactly. moving to Louisville was a part of my coming out to break away from my family and my life in that way. Mm-hmm. and you know having a forced I say forced wilderness experience you know just it just wouldn't have it wouldn't have yeah like I'm it's hard I can't even imagine I can't even imagine right um I know Stephen does this but I don't know how familiar you are with tarot mm-hmm. <laughs> tarot cards yep, um too. he's given me a deck okay Um, So I started just dabbling in tarot last year, I guess. And, you know, it's all, all in good fun. I love the kind of the lore of it, but we'll give, we'll give a little, um, little disclaimer and background for people that may not be familiar with tarot. So it is the, is the, the idea of using a deck of cards to help you do some self-assessment and it's not, it's not this divination witchcraft stuff, just to make sure we're clear nothing right it's a tool to help you reflect in this randomized way it's very kind of 
aesthetically pleasing journal prompting in mm-hmm. the end. But, um, you know, there are lots of cards and within something that I've learned and something that you talk about as you learn how to read tarot is that there are no bad cards, you know, there's not like, there's not like the, ah, this means bad things will happen card. Um, Cards that allude to that, there are cards like the tower, which is the card that, you know, signifies that a great kind of deconstruction is coming or a card like death, which signifies an ending, you know, or rebirth but those that's always the thing is that tarot is a cycle mm-hmm. you know a, a card that signifies an ending implies that there is a beginning coming afterwards uh, the tower never is not happening to you is something that i always like to think about is that in this deconstruction it is because something had to fall mm-hmm. because it was in the way the tower was blocking the view and now you get to now you get to see what you couldn't see before. And so I like, I like to think of the, the, the kind of God presenting a wilderness as that is just like, the wilderness is just the tough part to kind of give you the tools for when you get to the, the better part. Um, it's not this, it, yeah, it's scarier, hard or awful. And not to say like, I don't love the idea of like, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger because sometimes things, really kill you and really hurt and they don't give you tools Mm -hmm. and like if you don't get you know good things out of a bad situation that's not a reflection on you but I think this idea of like being resentful of wilderness also is not going to get you Mm -hmm. anywhere (laughs) yep yeah and it comes back to you know, the wilderness may prompt you to grow, but y'all, we have learned a lot about trauma and Mm -hmm. how trauma can really mess you up in ways you don't even imagine for years, right? So like, I, I know for myself, learning that me filling my life full of things, even today, and when I do it, I know that what am I what am I trying to avoid? I'm really good at avoiding things if I want to. And what I do is just fill my life up. Right. So, and, and I know that's kind of a response to trauma too. Like I, I, I just, that's just something I have learned. That's one of my defense mechanisms. You can't, if, if I don't slow down, I don't have to think about it. I don't have to, I push it away. So. Yeah. I, and I liked how Mary Alice talked about at the beginning of like those of us trying to follow Jesus, those of us trying to be good, good people, those of us trying to live with grace, those of us trying to make the world better. You have to seek out wilderness if you're not finding it. Like if you're not meeting resistance, you're not fighting hard enough. And I I love the idea of like you know, I don't, it's not putting a burden on anyone to be like, is your COVID not hard enough time for you to make it worse? It's that idea of like, what grace you have, what, what you have can always be shared without depleting it. Um, and that like, you're, you have to find that wilderness, you have to find the harder thing to do, yeah. because you owe it to 
everyone around you to help. And that's really scary and kind of, oh, oh, it just feels like such a burden because the world is so heavy at the moment. But like the world is so heavy for everyone. And I just keep trying to remind myself of that, of like, it's so much lighter when we carry it together. Exactly. It's so much lighter when we carry it together. I agree. Um, well, I'm, I think that's a good place for us to end. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much for joining me today, Tori. I really appreciate it. I had fun talking to you. Me too. Thanks for having me. I'm, I like reflecting on wilderness. It's such a complicated thing. I don't want anyone to feel, I don't want anyone to compare wilderness you know, that's. <laughs> yeah, you know, don't do that. Grown. It's not, you know, it's not what's the term that I like to use it's not like the oppression olympics it's not right it's it's all personal to us and we all experience it in different ways and sometimes it's more traumatic for some than it is others and we just have to but it, you know it's really important to our personal testimonies mm-hmm. and it is transformative you know, that was something Mary Alice said, it's transformative. What are, what's changing about you? I don't think transformative is always necessarily a good thing. I'm trying to look back at this period of like, what's something that changed about me that I didn't want to? And what's something I changed that I did? So always keeping in mind that we're being shaped by wilderness, mm-hmm. whether we like it or not. So join us next week. Next week, we have a guest preacher preaching with us. Uh, Dr. Angela Gorl is, I'm probably mispronouncing that, but she will be um, preaching. And Mary Alice, Reverend Mary Alice Birdwhistle will be on the podcast with me. So yeah, tune in next week. And um, y'all, as we go through this Lent, I hope that you take time to reflect feels like it's been one long Lent to me Um, but hopefully you can find the some way to connect to the wilderness or resilience or however else you want but I'm going to leave you with the end of uh, Mary Alice's sermon um, which was is a um, looks like from a French poet and it says come to the edge he said we can't we are afraid they responded come to the edge he said they said it's too high we will fall come to the edge they came he pushed them and they flew amen amen thanks and have a great week everybody bye